Hey, this is Graham, and I am so pumped you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media, at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can engage and connect with other Grace members all around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. We're beginning this brand new series, and I think the timing of it is incredibly important because what we're going to do for these next few weeks is we're going to focus on how important it is to engage with God's Word. Now, why are we going to do that? Because God's Word is God's voice. God's Word is God's will. Did you know that the way that you learn about God is by learning about his word? Did you know the way to worship God is by worshiping God according to his word? You can't even know God if you don't know the word of God. God has chosen to reveal himself to us with this right here. So you need to understand that this is not just a textbook. It's not just a history book. And it's not even just ink on a page. The Bible says, Jesus said in John chapter 1 verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, John is specifically calling Jesus Christ the Word of God, and he says the Word is God. If you get this, it will change your life. Because spending time in the Word is the exact same, time, same thing as spending time with Jesus. I know a lot of us would say, you know what, Pastor, if Jesus could just show up today, if I could just, like the old song says, have a little talk with Jesus, you know, just, just 45 minutes of counseling with Jesus, wouldn't that be awesome? We would all sign up. Here's some good news. That's what this is. This is Jesus. When you are engaging with God's word, you're engaging with Jesus because it's not just a book, it's the word of God, it's Jesus Christ, okay? So let me take a few minutes and not just set up today, but set up these next few weeks. Why are we going to to do this series? First of all, uh, you've heard of the saying, if you give a man a fish, you fed him for a day, but if you teach a man to fish, you fed him for a lifetime. And that's what we want to do. We don't want to train you to just come to church and hear me preach the word of God. I would rather equip you with and give you the fork and the knife yourself and teach you how to study God's word, how to engage with God's word. Because no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what the state of the world, you will have the ability to engage with God's word yourself. Second reason is because of biblical literacy. I shared last week that our culture is more biblically illiterate than ever. We don't know God's word. According to the researchers, about 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. Now, the challenge with that is, is that includes the older generation and the younger generation. The younger the generation, the least likely they're going to have a biblical worldview. Gen Z, less than 3% 
have a biblical worldview. This is serious stuff. We need to engage in God's word with our kids. We need to engage in God's word with our students, with our college students, young adults, all of us. We need to know God's word. Somebody say amen. That's why this is so important because we really need to get back to the basics, right? Now, here's another reason, uh, and this is why we need to, to do this, is because there is a deconstruction of faith that's happening in our culture. Now, the word deconstruction is kind of a buzzword, and if you ask five different people what deconstruction is, they're going to give you five different answers. So when I talk about, some people, when they say deconstruction, they mean the ability to explore your doubts, the, the ability to ask questions about things. I've got some good news for you. The Word of God, especially in the book of Psalms, gives us room to express our doubts to God. And what you see in the Word of God is that God actually meets us in our doubts. Are you with me? And, and let me go ahead and tell you, and I'm going to give away next week's message a little bit here. You can trust the Bible. You can ask questions about the Bible. You can ask hard questions about the Bible, and it's still going to last, right? So but now the problem with deconstruction is, to some, deconstruction means deconversion. Because there is an all-out attack right now on our faith, in our culture, especially among young adults and younger. There is an outright attack to destroy the foundations of faith. So the goal is not to just ask questions. The goal is to reject faith in Jesus Christ. And, the re and this is serious business. Because so many of our students and young adults are fallen prey to this. And can I tell you why? The reason is, is because... They don't know the Bible. Can I say that I don't think millennials hate the Bible? I think they just don't know it. I don't think millennials hate the Bible. They just, they don't know it themselves. And, and the good news is the people who created YouVersion, uh, YouVersion uh, is the Bible app on your phone. It's the most popular Bible app on your phone. I use it a lot. By the way, when I read the Bible, I have the Bible app read it to me while I'm following along in my Bible with pen and paper, but that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, according to YouVersion, the online Bible app, nearly one in four U.S. adults increased their Bible reading from 2020 to 2021. That's good news. And in the first few months of the pandemic, 23.6 million people downloaded the Bible app for the first time. That's good news. People realize, hey, there's, there's got to be more than this world. There's, they're looking for truth. They're looking for answers. And how many know we know that the answer is found in God's word? So, so that's good news. So there's a deconstruction that's happening. And we're not just going to sit idly by and let our kids and our students be shot at from all sorts of spiritual issues in the world. We want them to be ready to serve Jesus Christ and have faith for a lifetime Here's the last reason why we're doing this, and it may be the most important, is because in the last days, the Bible says, there's going to be a spirit of deception. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 24, many will be deceived in the last days, and I can't wait to get into this, but he says, even the elect, even people who think they're Christians, 
and they're going to be deceived. Even people who've been in church a long time, the Bible says there's going to be a great falling away. Do I have your attention yet? We need to talk about this. And can I tell you, the reason is, is because we are always tempted to stray away from God's word to our experience, to what I can see and what I can hear. But the Bible says the word of the Lord is going to last forever. So that's why we're doing this. And I'm going to ask you veteran Christians who have been serving Jesus for more than a minute, uh, I want you to be patient because what we're going to do for these first few weeks is we're just going to build a foundation. And for some of you, you're going to be like, Pastor, this is so foundational. It's so foundational. Can I tell you, it's the foundations that are being attacked. It's the foundations that are crumbling. So we've got to take some time to build a foundation. I saw a meme that somebody posted, and it said, helpful distinctions for today. Men are not women. Women are not men. Pets are not kids. Boyfriends and girlfriends are not spouses. The internet isn't the local church. Words are not guns. Feelings are not facts. Creatures are not the creator. And sin is not righteous. Now listen, here, here. simple, foundational, and that we live in a world that questions all of these. We've got to build a foundation. Or as somebody put it, you know, I read the newspaper to find out what's going on in the world, but I read the Bible to find out why. Are you with me today? And so let's start with this. Here's the big idea of what we're doing is that my success as a follower of Jesus is directly related to my commitment to consistently engage with God's word. My success as a follower of Jesus is directly linked to my commitment to engage with God's word on a consistent basis. If you're new to following Jesus, you're early on this journey of faith, let me go ahead and tell you, how am I going to make it? How am I not going to make it? Make a commitment to consistently engage with God's word, and you will have great success. Let me tell all of you who have been saved for 10, 15, 20, the minute you try to live the Christian life without being consistently engaged with God's word, you're going to find it very difficult. You're going to be tempted, on, you're going to, be tempted to put on this fake religion instead of a real relationship with Jesus that actually changes your life, right? And so we need to consistently engage with God's word. And if we do, that's going to bring us success. Now, we're going to start in Psalm chapter 1 uh, with verse 1. Here's what the scripture says. Blessed is the one who does not walk. Everybody say walk. Does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So Psalms begins with this word, this description of what a blessed person is. Now, the word blessed is translated many ways. Uh, sometimes it's translated happy. 
I, I listened to a, a pastor preach about this, is like how to be happy. Well, the Bible gives some specifics here, how to be happy. And it begins with three things you don't do if you want to be happy. Let's look at it. I'm going to read in the New Century Version, a more modern uh, paraphrase, but it says, happy are those who don't listen to the wicked, who don't go where sinners go, and who don't do what evil people do. So let's break this down. So the Bible says, if you want to be happy, don't listen to wicked people or listen to their music or watch their shows. That's called bad advice, right? Now, if you, if you don't care about being happy, listen to whatever you want to, watch whatever you want to, have no limits whatsoever. Pastor, I'm, you're already in my business. No, I'm not in your business. The Bible's in your business. The Bible says, don't go where sinners go. We can call that bad associations. Have you ever heard the phrase, show me your friends, I'll show you your future? We got to be smart about who we hang around. If you're just now following Jesus, let me, again, let me encourage you, you might need to change some friend groups for a while, right? Start hanging around believers, followers of Jesus. It'll help you as you, as you grow. So don't go where sinners go. Now, now, let me back up for a second. Didn't Jesus go where sinners go? Actually, he did to minister to them, not to learn from them. You're welcome. Uh, don't do what evil people do. And of course, if we have bad advice and bad associations, that's going to lead to bad actions. We're going to start doing what wicked people do. So the Bible says, don't do that. Instead, do this. Love the Lord's teachings. And they think about those teachings day and night. If you want to be blessed, you need to love the word of God. The, the King James says, meditate on the word of God day and night. That's where the blessing comes from. So the reality is, if I want to be blessed, then I need to think about God's word. I need to engage with God's word on a consistent basis. Now, the scripture says day and night. That pretty much covers all of it, doesn't it? And I think the takeaway for us is, is it literally mean 24-7? I think it's better if we say, if I'm consistently engaging with God's word. Now, the word meditate in the original language here, uh, when we think of the word meditate, we often think of Eastern religions. That type of meditation is to empty your mind. Now, not only is that not what the Bible's talking about here, but that's actually dangerous. Because if you empty your mind, you're opening up to some bad stuff, potentially. So we're not talking about emptying your mind. When the Bible says meditate on it day and night, love the Lord's teaching, think about those teachings day and night. Instead of emptying your mind, it's filling your mind with God's word. So how do we do that? How do we engage God's word? Now, I'm using the word engage on purpose because I think it will help us. How do we engage with God's word? Well, the first level of engaging with God's word is to actually read it. Just read it right? If I read God's word, listen to God's word, I'm engaging with God's word. And guess what? I'm spending time with Jesus because Jesus is the word of God. But there's another level to engaging with God's word is I'm not just reading it, but I'm actually praying it back to God. And we're going to show you how to do this. We're going to train you how to turn the Bible into a prayer book. 
Some of you say, Pastor, I just don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray about. We're going to show you how when you read a specific passage of Scripture, go ahead and pray that back to God. And I've found that when I read it and pray it, it helps me to memorize it. I mean, memorizing Scripture is one way to engage with the Bible. Uh, And then the next level is to study it. Now, to study God's Word means I don't just read it, and I'm not just praying it, but I'm studying it. It's backgrounds. Now, in order for you to study God's Word, you're going to need a study Bible. Now, let me encourage you. uh, I think everyone should own a paper Bible. A real one. Okay, digital Bibles are great. Reading it to you is great. That's fantastic. But you're not going to be able to study God's Word if you don't have a paper Bible. Now, how do you study God's Word? You bring a pen, you bring a pencil, you bring a notebook, right? And and most study Bibles have the verses at the top of the page, but then they have like a commentary or context at the bottom of the page, right? And there's all kinds of different study Bibles that you can use, and we're going to give you advice on which one to choose, but we actually need to study God's Word. And then I think the most powerful way to engage with God's Word is to discuss it. So I'm not just reading it, I'm not just memorizing it, I'm not just studying it, but now I'm actually talking about the Word of God with other people. That's when your mind really begins to engage and you really begin to process what God's Word means to us. And of course, this is why we do small groups at our church. Because every small group has a component of Bible study in it, whether or not it's a full-fledged Bible study. Lots of our groups are Bible studies, but whatever we're studying or whatever reason we're gathering together, God's Word is going to be part of that. Why? Because we want to discuss God's Word, and that leads to change in my life. Now, we just finished this semester of small groups here at Grace, so would you help me say thank you and verbally say the two words, thank you, to every small group leader who just served this past semester. One, two, three. Thank you you guys very much. We appreciate you. And so here we are. Uh, Our next semester of small groups begins in the first week of June, and so the summer semester is only six weeks long. I would love to have a bunch more of you get trained now to lead a small group this next semester and help us accomplish this thing of engaging God's word through discussing it. Again, we'll train you, we'll show you how to do it, but we need a lot of you to step up and do that and just make sure that everybody make room, make it a priority in your life to be part of a small group because this is one way that we engage with God's word. Okay, that was all the introduction. The meat of the message is about to come in 16 minutes. How many of you give me two more minutes than that? Two, four, six, eight, ten. Old joke, still works. All right. What do I do? What happens when I engage with God's word consistently? What do I do when I do what Psalm 1 says that I love the Lord's teachings, and I think about it on a consistent basis. Here's what happens. My life will change. My life will change. If I consistently engage with God's word, my life's going to change. Verse 3 of Psalm 1, if you love the Lord's teachings, you think about it day and night, you become strong like a tree planted by a river, The tree produces what? Fruit. The tree produces fruit. Now, what does it mean 
to produce fruit. Remember, Jesus said in the book of John, he says, you will know people by their fruit. Now, he's saying not by their words, but by their actions. He says, you're going to be actually going to be able to see fruit in their lives. So the Bible is saying that when you engage with God's word, stuff's going to begin to happen to you. Things are going to begin to show up in your life. It's called fruit. And so the, your life will begin to show the fruit of positive change. You're going to see it. Other people are going to see it. And here's what it looks like. Galatians 5 in the New Testament says the spirit produces what? Fruit. So that tree that's planted by rivers of living water, because people are engaged in God's word, the Bible says then the spirit is producing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And how many know this is not just a list to be memorized? This is a description of people who engage with God's word consistently. Here's the reality. You can't fake any of this. Now, you can for about an hour and a half on Sunday morning. Right? How are you? I'm just, I just love everybody. I love everybody. I love everybody. No, you don't. You know, kind, you can be kind for 90 minutes. Are you? This is Monday morning. This is Tuesday night. This is Thursday afternoon. This is Friday when the days are dragging on, right? This is Saturday. Come on, somebody. This is going to begin to show up in your life. Why? Because it's not you producing it. Because you can't produce this in yourself. No matter how much willpower you have, no matter how much you concentrate and try, no matter how many books you try to read, and there's nothing wrong with all of that, but you need the Spirit to produce fruit in your life. And your life will begin to change. And the reason is because this is not just an ordinary book, right? This is a living, breathing book that will change your life forever. A few years ago, I uh, came across this project called the Bible Engagement Project. And uh, this is a strategy to help people just engage God's word from Genesis to Revelation at different age groups. And they did some research that I found was very fascinating. And they found, as they did the research, that if you engaged with God's word at some level, four out of seven days a week, your life's going to change. Now, uh, I don't know why, if you read three days out of a week, uh, the, the what the difference is, or five, but they call it the power of four, actually. All the researchers call it the power of four, four out of seven days a week, and, 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 and it will change your life. Now, what they found out is if you don't do at least four, that the people who don't read, people who call themselves Christians who don't read at least four days a week, their lives look exactly like the people who don't read the Bible at all. which explains some stuff. Perhaps we're trying to live the Christian life without being planted by living water. We need the Spirit to produce real change in us. Here's what they found, that if I, if I read the Bible, if I engage with the Bible four out of seven days a week, then I'm 228% more likely to share my faith. I am 238% more likely to be involved in discipling other people. 
I'm 50, 59% less likely to view pornography. 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. 57% less likely of getting drunk. 68% less likely to have sex outside of marriage. 74% less likely to participate in gambling. 31% less likely to struggle with forgiving other people. What, what the research is showing is that when I consistently engage with God's word, I'm being changed from the inside out. Because the word of God is a seed, and it's being planted in my heart, in my life. And how many know it takes time for a seed to grow? But over time, transformation begins to happen, and it's not stuff I'm trying to fake. It's real, because it's coming from the spirit inside of me that I am engaging when I'm engaging with God's word. So simple, isn't it? And yet so powerful. Last week, we shared Bill's and Susan's story. Remember, of transformation and deliverance and healing and their marriages are restored. Did you hear the part he said after going to celebrate recovery? He began to make it a commitment to read God's word and pray one hour a day. Do you remember that he said, he goes, and over time, something began to change. My feelings began to change toward myself, toward my wife, toward my marriage. Are you getting this, church? Now, I would love to tell you that, you know, if you'll do this today, your life will immediately change. Again, that happens to some people. But can I tell you that the Word of God, the Word of God is alive. It's a living thing. It's a breathing thing. And when I engage with this Word, this Word is coming inside me and it begins to transform me, begins to change the way I think, begins to change the way I feel, begins to change everything. Because Jesus, the Word of God. Let me think about it. The fact that the disciples didn't have the Bible like we have the Bible, but they did have the Word of God. You know why? Because they had Jesus. And Jesus is the Word, because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Can I tell you that the same power that's in Jesus is in Jesus' Word? Boy, when you get this, and I know some of you, uh, your approach to God's Word has been unexciting up to this point. Pastor, the Bible's kind of boring. Maybe it's because you're approaching it as a textbook, or a history book, or even a devotional. And you're not approaching it as a living, breathing relationship with the living God. How many know that'll change your approach to the Bible? Gotta go. That was only point one. Second thing, if I engage with God's word, my life's gonna change, but I'm gonna last. I'm gonna last. Scripture says they're strong like a tree planted by a river. The tree produces fruit in season, and its leaves don't die. How many of you have ever planted a tree? Raise your hand. You've ever planted a tree. What is the number one thing that a tree needs? Water. Not just a little bit of water. Lots of water. If you've ever planted a tree, you cannot take your flower waterer thing, your thingamajiggy, you know, and water your tree. It will take forever. You got to take a bucket. You got to take a hose, right? Because water, trees go, and they suck up water. Because without water, they'll die. Did you know that the largest trees, the biggest trees in the world, are typically located in rainforests like Brazil, Amazon, things like that? And the reason is because their, their annual rain every year is about 200 inches a year. That's a lot of water. So those trees do well. 
But this psalm wasn't written in the Amazon. It was written in Israel. I've been to Israel. Israel is mostly desert. There's very little water there. There's parts of Israel that have less than an inch of rain per year. And the most parts have average around 40 inches of rain or less per year. That's not a lot of water. So the psalmist is writing in Israel, and he says, if you want to be like this tree, it's got to be planted by a permanent water source, a river. And if you do that, you're going to last, and your leaves aren't going to die. How do you know when a tree is dead? The leaves start to get brown and starts to fall off, right? But the Bible says... If you consistently engage with God's word, you got to get this. You're not going to die. You're not going you're not, to you're not lose. You're going to make it all the way to the end. Hear me, hear me, hear me, new believer. Hear me, hear me, baby Christian. Hear me, hear me. You just decided to start following Jesus. How, are you gonna, how am I going to make it? Some of you are like, well, pastor, I've tried this before, but I'm going to try it again. Hey, what's going to be different this time? This is what's going to be different this time. You're going to make a commitment to consistently engage with God's word. And guess what? You're going to make it. Your leaves aren't going to die. You're going to make it all the way to the end. Verse four says, but not so the wicked. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. And of course, Psalms was written in an agricultural time where chaff is this outer hull of grain uh, that before modern processes, they would take grain like wheat and they would just, you know, slam it to the ground or use a, it was called a threshing floor. And so then they would take what was off the stalks of this, of these, of these, of wheat and it was in these piles and what they would do is they would throw it up. And so the wind would take the chaff or this hull, this lightweight hull, separate it from the kernel. The kernel would be ground into flour, but the wind would blow the chaff away. The Bible says people who are not following Jesus are like the chaff that the wind will blow away. Can I give you a, a warning that if you're not rooted in God's word, the end times will blow you away. It's a sobering warning, is it not? We have to take this seriously. This is not a game. The Bible says it this way. The wicked have no stability, but the godly have deep roots. That's good. Let's get rooted in God's word. Last thing. The Bible says, I don't have time for this. I have to skip all this. If I engage with God's word, my life's going to change. I'm going to last, and I'm going to be successful. Now, you got to take your American Christian filter off for a second, because some people read this, Pastor, are you saying that if I read God's word, I'm going to be rich and famous? Sadly, some people preach it that way, but that's not what it's saying, because we have the wrong definition of the word success. God doesn't measure success by how much money you have in the bank or how big your house is. God measures success by something completely different. He measures success by things that matter, your character, your heart, your relationships. And so God's saying, if you will engage with God's word consistently, you're going to be successful at the things that matter. Now, let me help this out, because uh, if I align, if I 
align my thinking with God's thinking about money. And I dig into God's word about what the word of God says about money. And God's word says that the love of money is actually the root of all kinds of evil. Now, it doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's loving money. And the Bible says I can't serve God and money at the same time. And the Bible says everything that I have in my pocket at my house that's got my name on it, God actually gave that to me. And I'm going to be judged by how well I steward the stuff that God gave to me. And to whom much is given, much is required. The Bible has a lot to say about money. But if I begin to apply what the Bible says about money, guess what I'm going to be successful at? Dealing with money. Let's say I, 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 let's say I, I dig into the Bible what the Bible says about marriage. Okay? And so uh, what does the Bible say about marriage? The Bible says in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You didn't know this was going to be a marriage sermon, did you? Listen, the Bible says, submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. The Bible says, let no evil communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful and edifying. Can I guarantee you, if you apply God's principles of marriage to your own marriage, your marriage is going to be successful. Those of you who are parents, go ahead and dig into what the Bible says about being a parent. And the Bible's going to say, Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, talk about the word of God when you wake up, when you're walking in the afternoon, when they get home from school. That's my modern paraphrase there. Can I, get, can I guarantee you, the, Bible, the book of Proverbs especially has a lot to say about discipline and your kids and foolishness. Can I tell you that if you will apply God's principles from God's word about parenting, you will be a successful parent. Should I keep going? You pick the topic that you want to grow in in your life, dig into God's word and what God's word says about it, you will be sick and you've got to apply it, right? When you begin to apply it, you're going to begin to find change happens in your life. I'll never forget years ago, uh, this is before Tracy and I were married, I think we were dating at the time, uh, her dad, John, had a jail ministry. And so I volunteered to go with him one Sunday afternoon. And I'm sure I had all kinds of good spiritual intentions. Maybe it was to get in with John because of Tracy. I'm not. It'll all come out in the judgment, I guess. I went with John to the jail. And so John was just so good, so good at engaging people, encouraging them, praying with them. But I remember, you know, I, I, was, I was a teenager. I was kind of shy about that kind of stuff. So I was just kind of standing off watching John. But there was a, a conversation happening over to my right. And there was another pastor, and he was having a conversation with an inmate. And I remember uh, this pastor. I, I don't know what this inmate was in jail for. I don't know what happened. But I heard the pastor giving this inmate an assignment. He says, I want you in the next week, I want you to read the entire book of Proverbs. And as many times as the scripture talks about a father, uh, I want you to write that down. And I want you to memorize all of those verses. Wow. See, he's not just there. He, wasn't just, he was discipling that guy. 
He was helping them, and I don't know if he was in jail because he was a bad dad. I don't know any of that, but here's what I know. Can I tell you that that can be the same for all of us? Matter of fact, that's a great way to study the Bible. It's called a topical Bible study. We have these things in our study Bibles. Your electronic Bibles don't have these. Uh, These things called concordances in the back. And so there's this word, you know, all these words that are in the Bible. Let's say it's a word like pride or a word like work. All right, And then write down all of the scriptures that the Bible says about that. Begin to meditate on it. Begin to think about it. How about memorize it? Begin to apply it. Guess what's going to happen in your life? You will be successful. And it says everything they do will succeed. I love that. Do you love that? So here's the deal. Here's what we're trying to do. I hope that over these next 30 days, and I'm not promising we'll be done in 30 days. We'll be done when the Lord says we're done, okay? Because we're dealing with the spirit here, right? This is not a small deal. Uh, So my goal over these next 30 days at least, I want you to love God's word. I want you to love it. Love it, love it. And the way you love it is to read it and to pray it and to memorize it and to study it and to talk about it. And the more you do, you realize this is Jesus. I love Jesus. I love his word. His word is spirit and has life to me. It's peace to me. It's, I want you to love it. And I want you to learn it. And we're going to teach you how to learn it, how to study it. But here's the most important part. I want you to live it. Let's start walking it out. And it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be some things that the Word of God asks us to do that's going to be very, very challenging. But if we'll obey, I guarantee we'll be glad we did. So here's the challenge. I'm going to issue a 30-day challenge to everybody here. Would you join me on a journey of learning how to study the Bible? Now, this is not a 30-day reading plan. This is a 30-day journey of learning how to engage with the Bible yourself. We're going to teach you how to do a topical Bible study. We're going to teach you how to pray the Bible, uh, turn what you read into a prayer. We're going we're to teach you things about the Word of God, uh, the history of the Bible, things like that. We're going we're gonna, to a 30-day journey uh, if we want you to do that. And what it's going to consist of is a video every day that you're going to watch. Now, what you're going to need to do is bring to that video, bring a study Bible and uh, bring a notebook. Now, some of you are going to go have to find your Bible, okay, because you've been listening to it for so long, or maybe you just haven't read it. Get, maybe you may have to go buy one, okay? And that's okay, too. How many, know, how many know a Bible is one of the greatest investments that you'll ever have, okay? And so uh, this is for Adults, this is for men, this is for women, this is for college students, this is for high school students, this is for middle school students. And if you say, Pastor, that's me, count me in, I want you to text the word rooted to that number right there, 317-653-6793. And if you do that, you're going to say, hey, you're in our system, and then what we want you to do is you're going to get an email from us beginning tomorrow uh, with the instructions on how to start this journey, Okay. About 200 people did this in the 9 o'clock service. 
that you're way more spiritual than them? So I need everybody to, that is willing to do this, to do this. Now, if you have elementary age kids, uh, our new kids pastor, if you haven't met Evan and Rebecca Fortunato, make sure you meet them. They're just, we love them. They're awesome. And so Evan recommended this resource to me for parents with elementary kids, or maybe even grandparents with elementary kids and preschool kids. There's a, there's a video series called What's in the Bible, and it's 12 it's a series of 12 lessons about what the Bible's all about. Again, the idea is to increase biblical literacy, especially among kids. Now, this is free. It's absolutely free. It's on Right Now Media. And so Right Now Media is a digital library of thousands of videos. And so the good news is the church has actually purchased that. Actually, you purchased it when you gave your tithe. Thank you very much. All right, and so we purchased that so we can give access to Right Now Media to everybody. And so, uh, if you get access to Right Now Media, you can watch what's in the Bible. If you don't have access to Right Now Media, write it down on your connection card on the chair in front of you. Uh, just put Right Now Media. Make sure you have your email there, and we'll we'll give you access tomorrow. You'll have access tomorrow. Most of you already have access. You just don't know it. So uh, search in your email inbox. Uh, right Now Media, okay? But again, if you can't find it, whatever, let us know. We will connect you to Right Now Media as soon as possible. And we just want to, we want to encourage people to go on a journey of consistently engaging with God's Word. Why? Because I want to be like a tree planted by living water. I want fruit to be evident in my life. I want to make it all the way to the end. And oh, by the way, I'd like to be successful in some areas in my life. Would you stand with me today? Would you take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes? Would you just have a conversation with the Holy Spirit right now and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this message? Holy Spirit, what are you talking to me about when it comes to engaging with God's Word? We may even have to take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, forgive us for neglecting your Word maybe even confessing out of ignorance, God, I didn't understand how important, how powerful, how alive the Word of God is. It may just pray right there and just say, Holy Spirit, help me to love the Word of God. Come on, would you do that? Holy Spirit, help me to love the Word of God. I want to love it. I want to love it. I want to learn it. I want to live it. Holy Spirit, would you help me? I want to be, be a lover of God's Word more than I ever have in my whole life. Would you begin to birth that in me, a hunger for the Word of God, a hunger for God's Word? He'll do it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Some of you are here today, and you haven't yet made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that one of the best decisions you'll ever make is follow Jesus, and one of the best ways 
to follow Jesus is by engaging with God's word. And so today, you're not just making a decision to engage with God's word. You're making a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you, can I lead you in a very simple confession of faith? And others around you are going to pray to us just to encourage you. I'm going to pray to encourage you. But if you mean business with God, pray this way. Heavenly Father, I surrender. My life is yours. From this day forward, I choose Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. Forgive me for sinning. My faith is in Christ alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you give God praise for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it online. Or jump on the website at graceassembly.org and click the giving link so that we can continue to spread the message of Jesus all around the world. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next week.